This podcast is brought to you by the badasses over at Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. Drown ideology in beer. I can think of only one thing that could lift my spirits right now. Beer. 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 This is Drink of Ages on ESPN 97.5. The only show dedicated to craft beer, spirits, and music. Here's your host and luminary, John Denman. John Denman. Hi, right, welcome everybody to another Drink of Ages radio show. I am your host, John Denman, and man, just want to thank everybody for tuning in on ESPN Radio, Badlands Radio, however you're listening. If you are listening to the podcast, or actually you can find all the old shows on drinkofages.com and on iTunes, that is sponsored by Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. They're making some pretty badass beers around Houston. Uh, you can listen to some of the old shows, and here's some pretty, pretty ridiculousness that we call Drink of Ages, and... Each show is a little different. Each show has its own little little feeling to it. Uh, this one tonight is going to be a good show. We have from Independence Brewery out there, Independence Brewing Company. Got to say it legally right. Make sure we're right out of Austin, Texas. <laughs> we have Rob, Steve, and Jason hanging out. How's it going? What's going on? How you doing? <laughs> it always works hey. out just like that. It's going well. It's going real well. Our music guest tonight is the Billy Lord Band, and man, this guy, this guy's got a pretty interesting story. We're going to get into, but basically, he was homeless about four years ago, and nice. yeah, homeless around. in New York. Turn it around a little bit, and he's playing some pretty decent music, man. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, he was hey, good good on yeah. yeah. No, it's going to be a good show tonight. But <clears throat> Independence Brewing. Out of Austin, Texas, you guys made a nice little trip down to Houston, hang out, talk some beer, drink some beers. Uh, we've got the drinking the beer part out of the way. <laughs> so now I think it's some probably it. time, time, time to, to talk about the beer. Time to talk a little bit about the beer. Drinking beer part out of the way. <laughs> so Rob, you guys opened up the brewery when? So uh, the brewery started making beer for sale in 2004. That All was right. when we legally opened. September. October 1st, yeah. October 1st. October 1st, 2004. <laughs> that was which, the first legal sale. <laughs> which, so, yeah, so that puts you at... Uh, we're not, we're, we're not going to get into all the... Get into that. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get all the legal, legal things just yet. But uh, 2004, man, that puts you guys... Uh, 11 years. Old yeah. guys in this whole brewery industry in Texas. I remember when we first started, we were the second brewery in Austin. The Live Oak was there, and uh, Real Ale was still considered local because there was nobody else in Live Oak. And uh, we were going around, and we were selling. I remember, I still remember to this day, like, one of the hardest accounts we got into was, um, sort of got into, was Club DeVille. And that guy, the manager back then, he was like, well, dude, I already got two local beers. Like, I don't need another local beer. Like, we got we got local beer. We got real ill and live. And it's like, the industry has come so far it from has. then. Yeah, especially in Austin. Holy crap, man. You guys I blew up with all kind of different beers and always been a good bar scene, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, man, yes. to, to have two local brews on in 2004 to now. I stopped counting. Stop counting. <laughs> man, I stopped counting. Yeah, yeah. What's well, like counting the breweries in this town? I yeah. can't name I mean, them all. You, you, if I can't, can't name them all, all, I shouldn't count them. <laughs> I just say there's a bunch. There is a bunch. It and it's yeah. good. Actually, this is a good thing, though. This is, you know, a lot of people be like, this is not, you know, I'm scared of this, but honestly, this is, I think it's honestly a sign that the Texas market has turned, man. We are a thriving beer market now. Well, there's like Look a billion at, people in Texas. There they're they're like going to drink some beer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very wet state. 
Yes. And I'll tell you, every <laughs> one of those state. guys is brewing beer, craft beer outside of Texas. They want to get into Texas big time. Well, you can see so. how many have started coming into the state, the out-of-state breweries, over the last few years. That oh, they're brewables. Yeah, almost yeah, daily at this point, yeah. mm-hmm. trying to get in. Well, it was uh, uh, Cantillion. Yep. I yeah. think just latest. got approved. Yeah. yeah. The brewery. The brewery. The brewery, yep. Um, yeah. Somebody was talking about... Cascade Somebody it, was talking but, about Crooked Stave, yeah. possibly. Crooked yeah. Stave, yeah, yeah. That's another one. And, you know. and I don't... Man, Crooked Stave was kind of surprising. Well, actually, several of them have been surprising because I don't even see how they can supply enough oh, there, beer for their market. There's yeah. several that are like... How are you going to supply 27 little, million thirsty Texans? Like, for real? I don't think yeah. they can. <laughs> there's, there's several that are like small little local breweries in whatever state that they're in that... Seems really weird to think, come yeah, all let's go to, the Texas. Way to Texas. It'll be easy. It's one more state, right? It's only one more state. Yeah. So the it's size funny. of like eighteen. So we travel. We travel a lot, and people ask us, "Oh, so how many states are you in?" And I'm like, "I'm in one We've state." We've never left, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we have we're no not even plans. completely in the. Like, we're not and they're like, "Oh, what?" I'm like, "Dude, you understand? Like, my one state is like three European countries, well, right?" How long was it before <laughs> Arnold left Texas? Like, they were what sixteen? Saint Arnold's is 16, 17, 18 years old. How old were they before they? Yeah, yeah. So you're like. Texas is a massive state. You don't really need. It's very hard any... to get to the border. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on which border, yeah, it, it could take you it a long time. It is literally a day. You can pick a direction in Austin, and it is a day to get to the border, pretty much. In yeah. Any direction. Yeah. I think it'd probably be easier to go to Mexico. Yeah, it is actually easiest to go to Oklahoma, but nobody wants to go there. Yeah. <laughs> and Mexico. Does Oklahoma really exist? Yes. I question. find the closer I get, the less I want to keep going north. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on, let me, let me, let me backtrack. I, I want to say to <laughs> some of my Oklahoma. friends up in Wichita we Falls, where we do sell beer, that is true up to the border. Yeah, <laughs> I love Wichita Falls. I never thought I'd love that city so much. I oh, went that's out fantastic. there to start selling beer out there, and it's like, holy crap, dude, this is a great little city. Yeah, I, I like, in Oklahoma, I have been to Broken Bow, and yep. that place is pretty kick-ass. Yep. But I don't think anything else happens elsewhere. I sat There's a little... basketball team, but yeah, I don't think yeah, they're any yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the Rockets will sign his biggest, uh, the biggest star there. <laughs> I love every year. I love every year when the OSU guys tell us, "Well, we really know you really mean OU sucks, but you can't say that because that's illegal." So we're like, we're like, no, 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 we really the whole state. Sorry, dude. But they're like, well, that's whatever. We'll still have. They love Oklahoma sucks still. So oh, well. it's weird. Something about tornadoes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They have an appeal. <laughs> but, um, man, Independence Brewery, you guys, 2004 opened up. So what what actually started this whole thing going that you wanted to start brewing beer and then go into this, actually, the whole full production scale size, making well, beer? So I had started, uh, I'd, you know, I'd been brewing since I was a teenager on the home brewing side. Uh, and when I came down to university in Texas in 1990, the whole craft beer scene was just getting going. They changed the brew pub law in 94, and that uh, really opened up the door for all the first guys to open up. I was lucky enough to get a job at Copper Tank and uh, kind of worked my way up through the system at Copper Tank. Where, where is Copper Tank? It's well, gone now. It's gone now. Where was Copper Tank? It was on 6th Street in Austin. Yeah. Wow, okay. Had it one was, in Deep Ellum, too. We did open a second one in Deep Ellum. Um, it was crazy in its time, but, you know, like... Austin bars on 6th Street that don't last forever. So uh, that was kind of coming from that environment, coming from the boot pub environment. Um, I had met Amy before I stopped working at Copper Tank, and so we were already dating, and we kind of had this idea that we wanted to do something in brewing. And uh, you know, the the whole brew pub idea back then was just kind of challenging, and we thought that it would be more fun to do a microbrewery 
because no, you know, people weren't really doing that. They were all doing brew pubs back then, much like they're doing now. Uh, there's different reasons why they're doing them now. It makes a little more sense now it to does, do a brew yeah. pub. Yeah, all right. Well, let's take a quick break and actually eat some more of this white rabbit. And when we get back, we'll talk more of the Independence Brewing Company. Green Bay is John Dimmons. Stay tuned. This episode is brewed up by Mississippi's oldest 
packaging brewery Lazy Magnolia and their Southern Pecan Nut Brown L. It is one badass beer and is available on draft and package all over the place. Excellent beer and one that I highly recommend that you, everybody, man, everybody out there listen, go out there and get some of that Southern Pecan Nut Brown L from Lazy Magnolia. All right, Drink of Ages, we are back on. I'm John Dimon. We're hanging out with Independence Brewing Company from Austin, Texas. And we're talking about brew pubs and different things. You guys opened up in 2004, which when you guys opened up like here in Texas, especially Houston, I remember like the late 90s, there was a big boom of brew pubs that opened up, and they were great. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, and then they all shut down. They flushed in 98. Almost yes. across the state, almost all the brew pubs closed. Copper Tank yep. was not long after. I mean, it, it lingered on for a few more years. Rock Bottom here, Houston Brewing. The whole brew pub scene seemed like in the late 90s it took a turn for the worse. Now a lot of that was the web, kind of the web pop, like where the web bubble burst, and so people weren't going out to restaurants. There was a real reduction in how much people were going out to restaurants, and brew pubs being restaurants made them particularly vulnerable to that problem. And this is one of the big reasons why me and my wife, when we were getting together, were like, dude, why would I, why would we start a bar? Like, let's start a brewery, but like start an actual brewery and like not worry about trying to figure out how to get people to come in here every Friday night. It's like, just sell people to everyone. They sell beer to everyone. It's all points of sale. It's about points of sale, not about getting people through the door. So, you know, we were the old school model. That's the old school model of running a brewery. The laws were different back then. I want to get beer to as many people as possible. So why would I do it in one place? Yeah, laws now laws were definitely back yeah, laws were a lot different. We couldn't versus, sell beer at the brewery, which right. we now can do, and that's changed a lot of things. So we could give it away, and so we had a you know first Saturday every month we had a huge tailgate. It started out as not a huge tailgate; it was thirty or forty people, but it slowly developed to where it was five hundred people every month coming out to the brewery and hanging out in the parking lot, getting what the TABC would hate to hear described as free beer. <laughs> But now, now that you can actually charge people for a beer, right. I mean, that has definitely boosted mm-hmm. and you know, put a little extra into making your brewery. It has. It's, uh, you know, we sell over $3 million of beer a year, though, so the tasting room is never going to be. I mean, it's a great, you know, it can be a great distraction. You know, it's never going to be the huge revenue center. But at the same time, it's the forward-facing side that all the people see. And the truth is, we are now a bar because we legally are now a bar. So we have to operate in that environment. Now, I'm not going to go compete with my best clients who are bars in Austin. So, you know, we're not going to go compete on price and stuff. But we are going to make as good an experience, an enjoyable experience for people as they come by as we can. Well, now they can actually wander in and buy a beer. And it actually yeah. looks nice. Like the tasting yeah. room it is looks kind of like a dive. <laughs> <laughs> we were fortunate enough we actually have room for a tasting room. Right. A lot of breweries had opened up back around our times when it wasn't legal they didn't, didn't plan on the tasting space, room because it wasn't right. legal anyways like 512 and other places why would I devote space to like, giving away beer well, there's no yeah, space ridiculous. for let's not bother and so now the laws changed we were always crazy fortunately we had <laughs> space built in for a tasting room and so that worked for us but there's places that were older that Nowadays, the new breweries that open up, they build this massive tasting well, room that's just yeah, phenomenal. Now, because now you can was, use the brew pub model yeah. as a way to actually get big. Yeah, like right. they've kind of, in a way, the way the laws have been set up by however you want to say who set them up, uh, they've been set up in such a way that you, you there is at least a pathway to start as a brew pub. Yeah, build up your brand to where change. you're developing enough sales, distribute a little bit, but self-distribute your own, and then try and switch to micro. 
it's hard though. I mean, the Texas laws are not really fully encouraging small breweries. They to don't get really big right want now. to help out too much. You got to fight, man. You got to earn it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you got to yeah. earn it. Yeah, but it's good to see. Uh, well, actually, backtrack just a little bit. There are several breweries that change their license to brew pubs when the laws mm-hmm. change, mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. it favored them so much yep. better. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I forgot what the Edelberts just are. did. Like and, they just yeah, Edelberts. Well, and, uh, yep. uh, Texas Big Beer. Yep, Texas John, Big Beer did the same John thing. John went the yep. you know went went the complete opposite. Jester King, you know, went back to a brew mm-hmm. pub license. Yeah, yeah. If you're selling under. 15,000 barrels a year. That's an option that you can do. Yeah. It's not really something we can do. It's <laughs> too late for you, <laughs> man. Yeah, it's too late for us. Yeah. We're all, it sucks we're to be in. independent We brewery. passed that line like we're all in. they made it, and we're like, God damn it. We're, <laughs> we're all in now. Yeah. Yeah, well, all in. In fact, we have posters around the brewery that pretty much say that. Yeah. <laughs> Independence Brewing Company out of Austin's hanging out right now. Uh, what was the first beer that you guys pulled off the line? Mm, man. Probably Bootlegger. I'd say it was Bootlegger Brown was probably the first beer. Because that was the first beer we really made in the garage when we were uh, putting together the business plan that we were giving to people. So that was the beer we kind of geared up the system on. Bootlegger Brown. The bootlegger, yep. Yeah. No, that's a good beer. It is. Ha- yeah. Has it changed much over time? Not really. No. It's kind of gone. It, the guys have kind of tried to make it hoppy at times, and it's like, okay, it doesn't taste as good, so let's bring it back. Let's to, go back. Back to being just back chocolatey and malty. Yeah, I'm good. And did that come from one of the homebrew recipes then? Um, it's just uh, my ideas of Texas Brown back when, you know, from kind of the 90s brew pub uh, model. Like, there was an idea of Texas Brown, I think, that formed in the 90s. And there were different brew pubs around the state who were making browns that were different from what you were getting. Because you remember, man, back then, Newcastle was brown ale. Would you really consider a Newcastle a brown ale now? Well, that was a style. Like, Texas brown ale was Texas a Texas brown yeah. ale is was very a... much changed that. Like, Newcastle guys did not like us at all in Austin <laughs> when we opened up because we took a ton of their taps with bootlegger. Because it's like, dude, it's brown. It's like it's a brown ale. It should be brown. Yeah. It's like, why can you see through it? That's just not right. <laughs> it's not a light brown ale. <laughs> yeah. It's not khaki ale. It's, khaki. it's brown ale. <laughs> right? Some taupe. Right. So <laughs> No. So that, that was kind of like the first big one that really hit with everybody too. That was our first real big popular beer. So we didn't have amber yet, you know. Yeah, when did amber come along? The we Austin amber. We, we didn't start a brewery to make amber. Let's make that real clear. That <laughs> was not a, a style we were super excited to make. <laughs> but, but I mean, uh, amber. Yeah, I mean, amber is a big beer. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It's a great beer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it did. Yeah, I, but ended, started, I ended up drinking it for like six years straight. That's but all what, I drank, and that started from. <laughs> Alamo Draft House. Those are the good old Alamo guys. They came to us and uh, they were like, dude, we want a house beer and this is what we want. And this is kind of the profile. I'm like, well, you guys want an amber. Like, what you want is an amber. That's what you're telling me. It's like, and they're like, no, we want one of your beers. I'm like, no, I'm not going to give you one of my beers. You're going to rename? No, that's not how it's going to work out. What I am going to do is I'll make you an amber and I'll make it so I at least like it so it'll be good because I didn't really like ambers back then. But, uh, and so I did. I ended up formulating a recipe that I actually liked, and I, mean, I ended up getting hooked on the beer like the next six or seven years. People started coming to the brewery asking for Ask it. Because it, it, it was supposed to be sold at Alamo Draft House only. Yep. It was yep. just their house beer, and we weren't ever did, yeah. intended on Why would know, I, yeah. releasing it on our There's own. There's enough amber out there, right? Like, do I really need to make an amber? Back then, there wasn't, you know, like, it was, yeah, whatever. Everybody's got an amber. When all the volunteers at first Saturday are like, dude, I've got to be able to buy this at HB. They all kept, like, everybody so, was asking that two or days. So it started with Oklahoma Sucks. So, 
We're sitting in Central Market on North Lamar one day, meeting, Amy was, meeting with the grocery manager, and he puts this bottle of Texas Sucks on the table with her. And uh, and it's just kind of like, like, I don't know, we're alumni. Yeah. So uh, it was fighting, that was fighting words, man. <laughs> so, uh So the least we could do is come up with a beer that says Oklahoma Sucks, because the truth hurts, man. So... We ended up doing that, and we had Amber, and we're like, well, we have a beer that doesn't have an identity, really doesn't have a brand of its own. It's just the Alamo House Beer, Draft House Amber. It's like, well, let's just turn it out as Oklahoma Sucks. So from coming up with that idea, from him putting that bottle on a table to us coming up with that day, which is like two days we came up with that idea, and then to putting that beer out, which is about 14 days later, I've n- I'm still amazed how fast we turned that beer around into a beer that was rolling out the door that was going out for sale. It just blew up. Yeah. And that was it. They went, Oklahoma Sucks went crazy. We're like, okay, we got to start selling Amber, man. We just got to start selling Amber. Amber. Yeah. <laughs> it's our best seller Which, now. Amber is our best seller, I should say. Yeah, that. All right. Well, and, it's Dash, and it's Dash is closing in, though, Chloe. It's very And it's about to blow up even more, even more now that it's going in cans. Yep. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll talk cans. We'll talk Stash. When we get back with Independence Brewing Company, this is Drink of Ages. Everybody stay tuned. Southern Star Brewing Company is on the move. The new brewery and tap room is located at 3525 North Fraser in Conroe and will be opening soon. In the meantime, continue enjoying your favorites, Bombshell Blonde, Pine Belt Pello, and of course, Buried Hatchet. Keep an eye out for the next limited seasonal release, Black Crack, which happens to be the barrel-aged version of Buried Hatchet. SouthernStarBrewing.com, the first to can real beer in Texas. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code DRINK at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code DRINK. That's D-R-I-N-K at adamandeve.com. What's up, everybody? This is John from Drink of Ages Radio Show, and a local brewery for you to go out and try is from Cycler's Brewing Company. It is the 5511 Double Red L. What makes it a double? 7.9% ABV does. What makes it red? Well, actually, the roasted moss that they're used is what gives it the red color. 5511 is a medium-bodied beer that balances well with the piney bitterness from the hops. Available in 12-ounce cans and also on draft at your favorite places. Don't forget to tune in to Drink of Ages every Friday night at 9 p.m. right here on ESPN 97.5. All right, Drink of Ages, we are back on. We're still hanging out with Independence Brewing Company out of Awesome. We have we have Rob, Steve, and Jason hanging out with us. So we were talking about some of the beers, and we went through the amber. We are drinking right now some of the White Rabbit. Which is a seasonal release that just came out. Yep. We came out with this year's version of the White Rabbit. It's a little different every year. What uh, makes this year's different? Uh, judging from the response of most people and what I've had, I would say that uh, this year is definitely a little bit hoppier. Go figure with my guys. 
And that guy's a... Uh, we have new hops that we didn't have last year, so I'm going to give them a little leeway to... you got to give your guys room to play with stuff, too, so... This is definitely a little bit hoppier version than what people might be used to from the previous couple of years. But it's not, like, overly hop. No. No, it's no. very easy. Easy. Well, the orange, the orange and the coriander don't come well, out quite as much as it I didn't say it year. wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> Just to warn you guys, it's really hot, but it's like, eh, it's, it's not it's, that hot. No, yeah. no, it's and good, it's though. It's a Belgian wit, though, so yeah, if you're Belgian looking wit. for, like, and we don't make anything this style. Big surprise, anyone who knows us, we don't make anything this style. So. And the yeast that's used is still... It's Hogarden. So it's Hogarden's yeast. Yeah. Pierce Ellis. Yep. Yeast. A little classic yeast. <laughs> you be careful throwing that name around. I know, yeah, right? Isn't that happening again? Uh, we're uh, Yes. Christine is definitely opening that brewery back up. We talk to her pretty routinely. Excellent. Well, I say excellent. I don't know. It's, it is. It is. <laughs> I, it's great. I think it's a great, great idea. But in, it's in, great. The, in the grand scheme of Texas beer, I think yeah. it's fantastic. It should Cellus should come back. Yeah, yeah uh, Cellus has a huge name for the beginning right. of Texas beer. So I know for everybody yes. in Austin, we all owe everything that we are really pretty much to what Pierre, the hard work Pierre did. Definitely. Yep. Austin yeah. wouldn't be, and I think Texas wouldn't be such a crazy good craft beer state if it wasn't for what they did. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the first craft beers I drank down here when I yeah. started coming Talk about here. a ballsy move, really nice. dude. Picking up your old your kettles and everything from your old family brewery in Belgium and coming out here and starting to go fresh. to Texas. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. Still had one of the best commercials of all time. It was. A- yeah. <laughs> That's what I hear. I love That's it. what I hear. I loved yeah. him. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some other beers because uh, you have the Power and the Light Pillow yep. that I was Power so happy to see at Whitewater. That yeah, <laughs> yeah. Looking around for beers, I'm like, ching ah, I could drink some deep eddy vodka. Like, oh, oh no, that's a bad nope. idea. <laughs> Let's do some. Power Let's go ahead and hammer light. some power and oh, light. Oh yeah, which might not be much better idea, but it definitely went down easy. <laughs> it did. It was really good. Uh, we talked about the Convict Hill. No, we didn't talk about Convict no. Hill. No, yeah, no, Convict no, no. Hill, man. That's that's actually one of the first beers I had it from you guys. Nice was Convict Hill. And so, yes, yeah, it's, it's great. Good, oh, easy drinking stout. Yeah. Oatmeal stout. Oatmeal stout's one of my old categories. It's my personal home brewing category, so it's kind of like the beer that got me brewing at home in the first place. Uh, Young's Oatmeal Stout was always my uh, kind of inspiration. So uh, we live in a neighborhood in Austin called Convict Hill. It's where all the limestone for the capital was quarried originally. So we loved the story. We were kind of walking through the neighborhood and saw the old tailings piles and we're like, oh, damn, there's an actual story here. It's an actual quarry there. Yeah, like there's a park it's, and stuff. People don't. A, yeah, people just a, drive by the street and it says Convict Hill and everyone just everyone drives just, by. Yeah, it's just a hill, right? No, actually, there's actually a there's a little nature walk you can take oh, nice. and it goes by these old tailings piles. Yeah. There's, of course, now a neighborhood where the quarry used to be. So you can't <laughs> see the quarry. probably a really nice neighborhood, <laughs> if I was going to guess. It is a ridiculously nice yes. neighborhood. Circle C, if any of you are familiar with Circle C in Austin, that's very, yeah, I'm, I'm pointing... I'm turning my nose up here. (laughs) Houses are $100,000 more there just because they're in Circle C. Mm. Well, one one beer that you guys came up with that turned into my summer favorite was some Red Bud. Ooh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Red Bud is a delicious Berliner (laughs) Weiss that, man, just made made, made (coughs) summer much, much better. Yeah. Yes. It's a perfect uh, tartness and lemonness, and it's got that... It's not too weedy. It's not too tart. It's it's a great refreshing. If you like that style, some people don't like that kind of um, tanginess to it like that. But 
And I think it's just a well, but I think it's a good I think beer. it's a good starter though too for for people that have never had sort of tangy sour beers. I mean, I think because like you said, it is that is that perfect balance. So I yeah. think it is a good sort of because I had so many people in this town, and I'm like, here, just try it, and they were like, well, we're, I love it. That's fantastic, you know. And I think it was a perfect it's, summer beer because it was good for to, sitting around the pools, you know, going to the lake, going to the beach. I think it was the perfect summertime beer to, that we did. I mean, I think yeah. it was genius. We threw around the sour idea there. It's, yeah, I think it's important to point out that it's, it's not. not a, it's not sour. sour. It's not sour. sour. Because we're sour. independent, no. we don't do anything like it normally gets done. So this was not a normal sour. This was. So I would kind of liken this to like normal sour is you take a good beer and you let it go bad and it goes sour, right? There's people out there cringing when I say that. Those of you who know me know that that's not anything weird. Uh, this was different. We let it go sour and then made good beer out of it. So it's kettle souring, which is backwards. Like we soured it in the kettle and then we annihilated all the things that we soured it with by boiling the, in the kettle. That's the and important part. There were a lot of, yeah, this was this was a big one. Uh, the I, eh, Anybody who knows me knows that I'm not really keen into this whole sour experiment idea. Like I like very clean, precise flavors and that's what, as a brewer, that's what I tend to make. So, you know, White Rabbit was the first derivation from that when we hired our first head brewer that I let brew beers other than me. Uh, Brannon, our current head brewer, who is fantastic and a true artist, he, him and our lab guy, Pat Young, were like, man, we really think we can do this. And I'm like, okay, you guys just promised me that Power and Light's not going to start tasting like, uh, you know, Red Bud in six months and we're all good. And so I have to admit, my guys did a great job. They really kept it very well contained and... This has been, it turned out to be a fantastic beer. I mean, we had Charlie Papazian saying this was the best sour beer he'd ever had. I mean, yeah, just home, drop a name real quick. I think, I think, yeah. just I drop think it off. This is Charlie, Charlie <laughs> P. Well, none of, I think the re, everybody at the brewery, none of our feet touched the ground for like seven I days bet after not. that. Well, <laughs> he, he called up and he wanted, he wanted to see if we would send that him That was the funny part. He wasn't, yeah, he was just like, hey, by the way, I, uh, I, I had the good fortune to try this beer and rate it for all good beer. And it's like this really long email, so I didn't read it at first, right? Because I'm like, oh, all right. There's a lot to I'll get back to that one. I'll get back to that one. And I get to it, and I'm like, I'm reading this thing, and I'm like, I'm doing this class in Maine, and I'd really like it if you could send some beer out. It's a perfect example of the style. And I get down to the bottom of the email, and it's like, Charlie Papazian. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like back and read yeah, I can time. send the beer out. Like, dirt. <laughs> and he said something about, like, he, he sampled it, but then he took a couple home with him. He and then did, he, yeah. He'd gone out, and he had, like, mowed the lawn. And, and he came good. back in, and he was all hot and sweaty, and he, like, pounded this beer. And he it was tried like, it again. It was, like, like, the best beer he'd ever had after mowing the lawn, and, and everybody was just, holy crap, that's phenomenal. When I got that, I sent that back out to all the brewing staff, and I was like, so basically, you know, what I kind of like to say is like the Pope basically said, we're all going to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Papal dispensation, baby. Yeah. Well, I sent you guys an email about it, but I didn't get any response back. But that's, I'm not. <laughs> we're probably in that period where our feet weren't touching the ground. <laughs> uh, well, Independence Brewery, uh, what's, your, what's your website? Independencebrewing.com. Nice and easy. All right, fellas. Thanks for hanging out with us on Drink of Ages. Uh, the White Rabbit's fantastic. We are out again, so let's go get another one. And when we come back, we're going to have Billy Lord in the studio. Sweet. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks All right. Cheers. Drink of ages. Stay tuned. Right, this song is called Rise. I could pick you up at seven, dinner and a movie. Before the credits run, we could get lost under the moonlight. 
rolling across the floorboard, right underneath our feet. There's an endless rope and a bottle full of possibility. All I want is a life with you riding by my side. All I want is a little love. Let's smile how it shines. Let's get lost down that back where I'll be on a county power line. Slide my hands across them jeans, hear the engine rev humming. He's rising off the hood, beginning in the end summer. Right down, that's for real. Catch a lightning in a black light run. All I want is all night with you and to see that sunrise. Drunk and grab the blanket Do a little something, something Girl, my heart is like a radio And the baseline is pumped All I want is a life with you riding by my side All I want is a little love That smile, how it shines Let's get lost down that back Where I'll be on the county power line Slide my hands, cross them jeans Hear the engine rim pumping He's rising off the hood Smile how it shines, let's get lost down that back road out beyond the county power line. Spindle Tap Brewery, Houston's newest brewery and tap room. Actually, it's Houston's newest air-conditioned brewery and tap room, located 10622 Hirsch Road, just 15 minutes north of downtown. Look for Boomtown Blonde, Tool Pusher Pell Hopper House Double IPA, and Honey Hole ESB on tap around town. But you definitely need to stop in the tap room for a beer and a burger. Tap room is open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. SpindleTapBrewery.com. Get all your information you need. Whether a startup brewery or distillery or you've been around for years, the badass folks at Cash Branding has to be your go-to source for branded merchandise and apparel. Cash Branding does it all, from imprinted glassware, coasters, koozies, tin tackers, and bottle openers to dickies and red cap work shirts, t-shirts and caps. Their apparel decorating options are top-notch, offering embroidery and the latest trends in screen printing, using water-based and discharge inks to achieve that super soft feel. Artwork services and samples are always free. Why go out of town or use multiple supplies? for your branded merchandise. Keep it local like we do. Let the badasses at Cast Branding, the official merchandise sponsor of Drink of Ages, kick your branded merchandise and apparel up a notch. Give them a call at 855-376-7638 or check them out at castbranding.com. 
Drink of Ages knows that craft beer fresh from the brewery comes in kegs, not bottles or cans. If you're not going to a bar tonight, take home a Growler, 64 ounces of kick-ass craft beer. At Growler's Beer and Wine to Go, they fill your Growler with a revolutionary system that keeps oxygen out and all the fresh, delicious goodness in. Keep your favorite beer fresh for an entire year, assuming you don't open it and drink it. The freshest craft beer in Houston is at Growler's Beer and Wine to Go, 1005 Wad Drive. Hops are sexy. Welcome back, craft brew lovers, to Drink of Ages. Hey, right, Drink of Ages, we are back on, and this music portion of Drink of Ages is brought to you by Spindletop Brewery, located only 15 minutes from Houston, just northeast on 59. It's a badass place to have an air-conditioned brewery, tap room to go hang out at. Check it out. Very good beer, spindletopbrewery.com, and congratulations on them. Their grand opening is happening March 5th, so get out there, check it out. Go out there, try some of their brewery, get some beers, get some food, hang out. It's going to be a good place. But right now, in the studio, our music guest, Billy Lord. How you doing, Billy? I'm good. I've already got my tent in line for March 5th for the brewery. I'm first in line. I'm proud to say that I'm going to be spending the entire day drinking. <laughs> so you know, it's going to be great. But I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here at uh, Firehouse Saloon. I'm loving Houston. I've been. I was here about two years ago on my motorcycle, and I went cross country on the motorcycle, and I fell in love with it. Then I stayed in Kima, Texas, on a boat. Somebody just let not me a bad on place. It was cool. Not a bad place it to stay cool. at all. Oh, it was great. I was. You know, I wrote a song actually on the deck, on the spot because I was just so inspired sitting on that boat. Um, I used Couchsurfing.com. Everybody, anybody ever hear of that? Yeah. Yeah. So this woman said, yeah, you can stay at my place. And she gave me the address, and I thought it was an apartment. I pulled up, and it was a, a slip. It was a dock, and it was a boat. So I got the. she gave me the passcode, and she was in New Mexico. And she said, my, my home is yours. And so I stayed on the boat for a few days, and the first day I was there, there was an old, like, record player from, like, an eighth-grade middle school, like, brown old-school record player, and she had all these cool albums like Jim Croce and the Eagles and Bread and, like, all this great stuff. And so I was spinning all this vinyl, and she put some nut brown ale in the fr fridge for me. And I'll tell you, I was inspired. I, I went right out on the deck. I watched the sun come down. And I saw the first star of the night, and uh, I made a wish, and I wrote a song called Lone Star that night. I haven't recorded it, but it's a cool song. Wow, man. Yeah, it was on the spot, too. I like recorded it on my iPad as I was writing it, which is a crazy thing to watch like when I go back and look at it it's, it's just funny yeah mm -hmm. but that, that's you were talking about how you rode your motorcycle across the country but you did that with your guitar and mm -hmm. you basically played shows all the way across country I did um, I left with about $40 in my pocket and the craziest thing was that I said you know I'm gonna ride across the country on a motorcycle and I'd never been on a motorcycle before in my life didn't have a license or anything went and got my license I actually failed the test two days before I was supposed to go down to Daytona and pick up the bike, which uh, Bruce Rossmeyer down there was kind enough to, to help me with. And um, yeah, so the, the guys at the school, I used to play the guitar and sing songs for them out on this picnic table before class every day. And so when I dropped the bike, I dropped the bike. That's an, a DQ, like the minute you drop the bike. And it was my, I got like a 99 on everything else. It was my last test and I only had to stop in this little box. I stopped and I dropped the bike. Oh no! And they're like, and everybody in the class is just like, you just heard this like, ah, oh, Billy, because they all knew what I was trying to venture out on. 
So they, they kind of whispered in my ear, like, Billy, come back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. You can take the test again. We got you. Don't worry. So I came back. They gave me a license. I went down. I jumped on this bike. And yeah, I went uh, 12,000 miles over six months. I left with $40 in my pocket with my guitar in my back, backpack style. I did no idea where I was going. There was no planned trip or anything like that. I just went from place to place. And I played, you know, whether it was on the street or in a bar or in a laundromat or in a McDonald's or wherever, you know, people would let me play. And, you know, people were kind to me everywhere. I mean, that's like, you know, you hear so many bad stories about people now, you know, it's all you hear on the news and everything. But my experience is when you go out and, you know, you're left to the whims of the world, people take care of you. Well, I mean, the majority of people in the world are good, decent people. Just good, happy, Mm -hmm. want to live life and listen to good music and drink good beer kind of people. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, I met a couple of crazies. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) <laughs> oh, they're out there, and you will find them pretty quick. Oh, I, I, I managed to find I mean, a couple. I mean, I feared for my life twice on that trip. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny that. But, I, but I did write about uh, 25 songs on that trip, and uh, you know, went all the way out to Cali and back, dropped my kicks down in St. Augustine, Florida, which is where my producer at the time was, and you know, recorded the songs that I wrote, and that became my album National Anthem, which uh, was my second album, and ended up on the ballot for three Grammy nominations, even though I. I didn't get Grammy nominations because there's these guys like Luke Bryan and, you know. Just some other. Dirks Bentley. Yeah, some of those people. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I never heard of them, but, you know, I heard that they're, they're pretty big guys. And, I heard they're pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty good, I heard. Yeah, so. yeah I don't really like their music too much. Yeah. But that's me. That's me. <laughs> 2012, you came out with American Music. Yes, sir. That was your debut. That was my debut. And you had a lot of things going on before that happened mm-hmm. that I was reading your bio. You know, like uh, four years ago, you were homeless in New York. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then you decided to learn to play guitar. Yeah. I mean, it, it was weird because I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm an old guy in this industry. I never thought I'd be in the industry. I had no intention of being in the industry. I just wanted to play music, but I came about it in a really roundabout way where I was a corporate guy for 15 years. I worked in publishing newspapers and magazines. I lost my job in 2009 in New York City, and everything just started collapsing behind it. Within a year, I could not replace the income, and I had all this overhead. So I was just hemorrhaging money for a year until I had no 401k, I had no life savings, and I had no job to replace my income. I lost my home, lost my marriage, lost everything, and I uh, just found myself in a tough, tough spot. So I was working three part-time jobs, and one of them I was unloading trucks at night at the container store, of all places, on 58th and Lex. Um, and I, I'd get off work at three in the morning and I had nowhere to go. So no, no apartment to go to. So I just started uh, picking around the guitar and teaching myself. And it was really a means to just get from 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. when that sun rise. I mean, those are tough hours. They're long hours, you know, they're lonely hours. So the guitar for me was just a, a comfort, you know, it just kind of was something to get me through. So it was a, it really was never, oh, I'm gonna go write songs or do anything. And then all of a sudden, as I was learning the guitar, I really started hearing songs, like almost off the bat. And you mentioned American music. I think by, uh, I got laid off in 2009, and by 2011, I was already writing songs for that album. And within a year, I had gotten to the point where I had the album written. So, um, you know, and just things started taking off. I, I wrote, I did two demos of this producer down in Florida, Lou Rubino, out of uh, Fish Tank Recordings. And one of them, uh, and I sent up uh, to Z100, and they made me the artist of the month in June, like in an email, you know, and it was the craziest thing. They're playing my song on the radio in New York, and I just thought, this is insane, you know? So I, I ended up raising the money for uh, for American music, and that was a more of a hard rock album. Um, 
because that's kind of what I cut my teeth on was Guns N' Roses and ACDC and Metallica and all that stuff. And when I started writing, it's funny because at first I thought I was going to be like a John Mayer style writer. You know, I don't know why. I just was like, hey, I, you know, I have an acoustic guitar yeah, why now. Why not? And I'm going to be like John Mayer, you yeah. know. I, I don't know why. But when I actually started listening to the songs that I was getting and receiving, they were nothing like that at all. And what was weird is that I had some really hard rock songs on that first album, like really hard, aggressive rock songs that I love and the band loves playing. Um, but then I did two songs that were country, and I didn't know where they come from. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to roll with it. Well, those songs, and one of them was On a Summer Night, and that was my first kind of hit, you could say. And that one got me an opening spot with Uncle Cracker, and you know, things just started kind of taking a different kind of life from there. So, It's amazing, man. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, did you ever think in your life that you'd be playing guitar, singing on stage? No, and, and it's funny because people are always like, didn't you didn't know all these years that you could sing or write or play? I'm like, I still don't know. You know, I'm still figuring it out. Like, I don't know what's going on right now. I just, just having fun. Yeah, I just, you know, I, sit, I mean, this is what I do now. Is like, I just sit around and I'll, I'll hear songs in my head and I'll just figure them out. And it turns out that I really love it. But, you know, one of the, one of the funny stories I always tell is when, um, when American Music came out, I got a call to go open for Uncle Cracker. And that I said, yeah, I'm in. And they're like, We're, you come out to the Pacific Northwest. You can open for him. I said, well, when do you need me? And they're like, three days. I'm like, cool, I'm there. I hung up the phone. I had no band. I had n never performed in front of a live audience before. The only time I ever sang into a microphone was in the studio. I didn't know what was going on. I pulled together some high school buddies. Actually, one of them is in the band right now. Uh, we played Little League Baseball together. He's been doing drums his whole life. I called him, Colin Bouton. And I said, Colin, you got to save my butt here. And he's like, I'm in, dude, I'm in. So he learned the album, and then we just pulled together this hodgepodge group of guys, and we were still missing a guitar player. So I called Rosevere's Music Shop out in Aberdeen, Washington, and that's where um, Kurt Cobain bought his first guitar. And the guys at Rosevere, I said, listen, I need a Cracker Jack guitar player. I need a guy who can learn my whole album in two days and just show up on stage and play it. And they said, we know this guy, Tommy Queen, best guitar player in the Pacific Northwest. I called up Tommy, Tommy said, I'll be there. First time I met him on the stage that night, we're in front of 2,000 people, my first performance ever. I've never met this guy in my life. I don't know if he wow. can play Mary Has a Little Lamb, let alone, <laughs> let alone what is on this album. He, I mean, we started, that guy nailed it. I didn't even know that I could do that. Like, I had no idea that I could do that. I was terrified. You did not know your song could sound, sound like that. I, hadn't, I, I didn't know I could even sing in front of an audience. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was terrified. I was like, I'm never gonna be able to do this. Literally, once I started playing, it felt real good, and, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is cool, you know. I like, and, and, you know, to this day, people who saw that show are huge fans of mine, you know, that saw that first show, and it just, it, it boggles the mind, um, you know, what's happened. And, and an even greater story is that Tommy Queen played that show with me, and then I didn't see him for probably three years. I moved to Nashville with my band, and I ended up bringing the band with me, and I ended up letting go the guitar player that I brought just wasn't getting the job done you know this is a this is a serious business it's a serious job you got to take it seriously you got to learn your parts you know and people don't realize that you know they think it's all fun and games everybody's sitting around drinking beer and having a good time this is a job it's work you know and we put in the time these guys don't want to put the time in okay we need somebody who will so I let them go and I was in a panic because I was like wow we came all the way to Nashville we want to get out there and do shows and I don't have a guitar player well guess who had just moved to Nashville Tommy Queen Tommy friggin' Queen moved to Nashville a month before I did and was looking to play. I called Tommy, we sat down at, uh, at Chili's of all places. I don't even know why, but 
So we're at Chili's and, and I and Tommy just looked at me. He's like, "Dude, it's meant to be. Let's do this." And I said, "All right, you're you're in. Let's go." That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty. It's cool. probably the unlimited appetizers they have. You know, I think uh, that might have done, <laughs> done, <laughs> done it right there. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Yeah. All right, well, BillyLordMusic.com to get all your information, and then you, you find find your music everywhere right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm on iTunes, uh, you know, Amazon, all that. Um, I mean, if you Google Billy Lord, you're going to find more than you probably ever wish that you could learn about me, and I guess that's a good thing. But we got a bunch of new stuff coming out right now, and... You know, that's why it's so fun to be here in, in Houston right now. Mr. Johnny Gibbs set this up for me, and I'm forever appreciative for him to bringing me down here. Uh, because we got, you know, three new singles that I recorded in Nashville. And I got to tell you, talk about magic. You know, I, you know, I write these songs in my bedroom sometimes on the, you know, just sitting there with the acoustic. And to go into a session in Nashville was something that I, I mean, it was my wildest dream come true. You know, you sit there with, literally the best musicians in the country and I was at a place called Catch the Music my producer was Ryan Rosbo amazing producer um, and I'd never recorded live ever my first two albums we all did you know on the board you know I sat there on Facebook my producer was doing tracking everything you know I was falling asleep that was not as much fun you know now we got all these musicians in there and I'm thinking these guys how did they never heard the song they never heard the song how are they gonna know what the song is you know and I'm, I was doubtful you know but I was excited so I put on the headphones and I'm standing in the vocal booth and I'm looking out at all these musicians. They're like, we got it, we got it, Billy, we got it. And the music starts in my headphones and I literally had the chills run through my whole body. It was like you're hearing your dream album in your headphones in real time, live in that moment. It's magic, I mean, that is magic. I'm telling, like, no other magic I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it was like, okay, this sounds like better than anything I ever could have imagined my music could sound like. And uh, it's just, you know, it was humbling in a way because, it, I mean, I literally flash back to, okay, you lost everything, you've been struggling, you know, you still struggled, you, you know, all these years to get into that studio with those musicians in Nashville, what it took to get there and then to be there and really appreciate that moment with those people. And there was an energy in that room that I think was absolutely palpable. And I said to my producer, I'm like, is it like this for all musicians? He's like, Billy, he's like, it's not. He's like, they dug your stuff. Like, they were literally saying, let's do that. Oh, how about you do this? How about you do that? He's like, they don't do that. These guys are in and out. They do their job, boom, boom, boom. They're on to the next one. He's like, they liked your songs. He's like, they were just like, let me do that part over again. Let me try this. Let me. I mean, the energy was just intense, and it was a dream come true. I bet, man. It sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, it was great. It was, Sounds yeah. Sounds like you're living a, pr a pretty badass little <laughs> life right now, man. Yeah, and I suppose so. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's fantastic, man. Billy Lord, appreciate you stopping in and hanging out, man. I appreciate you guys having me. It's been uh, awesome. I think we need to grab another beer and man, if you, get you on stage, then we'll hang out some more and talk some more. Like, like some more. We could go on this interview for a long time. I think so. I got stories to tell. <laughs> I, I bet you do. Yeah. All right, BillyLordMusic.com and Drink of Ages. I'm John Dimon. We'll be right back. One of my favorite places to go just got better. Rudyard's Pub on Wa. You need to go check out their new tap towers. 20 local lineups, 8 national crafties, 8 imports and ciders, Five fancy pans, specialty brews, one mead, and one cold brew coffee tap, plus a newly designed cocktail menu. 
still have all your favorites on the menu for lunch and dinner. And don't forget about Chef Joe Appa's world-famous monthly beer dinner happening the last Thursday every month. 2010 Wall Drive, RudyardsPub.com. Hey everybody, this is John from Drink of Ages, and a great beer you need to go try is Sweetwater 420 Extra Pale Ale. This tasty West Coast-style pale ale drinks an easy 5.7% ABV and goes perfect while sitting by the grill listening to the steak sizzle. Grab a pint or pick up a six-pack all over town and check them out at sweetwaterbrew.com. Listen Fridays at 9 p.m. on ESPN 97.5 for more beer talk and live music on Drink of Ages radio show. If you'd like to market your business to the craft beer community, please contact Drink of Ages at 832-617-0201. That's 832-617-0201. Or message us at facebook.com slash drinkofages. Find us on Twitter at hashtag drinkofages. And get all contact and podcast info at drinkofages.com. All right, welcome everybody back to Drink of Ages radio show. I am John Denman. Hope everybody's enjoyed the night tonight. Hope everybody's having some good beer. And a couple things going on around town that you guys definitely want to be part of. Something something you want to go hang out at. I mean, this is Houston Press Space City on tap. And we have a couple brewery openings. For one, I want to congratulate Backfish Brewery down in Pearland. They are open now. They did a little soft opening last weekend. Good time. Making some good beer. So get out there. Stop by King's Beer Garden and go by Backfish Brewing. Check out some of their stuff. Yeah, and also Southern Star Brewing Company moving into their new facility. That is a pretty badass spot. And it's open now to the public. So if you haven't been, if you didn't go last weekend, get up there and check it out. Southern Star Brewery and their new facility. Also, Back Pew Brewery is opening March 5th, their grand opening. You need to go check those guys out. There, Bobby Harrell was on the show not that long ago, and they're making some great beers up in Porter, Texas. And Spindletop Brewery off of Little York and Hirsch, like 59 North, just only 10 minutes from downtown. They're doing their big grand opening also March 5th. So there's a great little brewery tour that you could do this Saturday that's going to be pretty kick-ass. Couple things going on around town. Menu of Menus. Houston Press is excited to host a 14th annual Menu of Menus extravaganza presented by Estelle Artois on Tuesday, April 5th, 7 to 10 p.m., 1501 Silver Street Studios. Man, this is a badass event that's pairs long. Beer, wine, cocktails, 40 different area restaurants. And they do an Iron Fork competition and what's just this thing is two of houston's most popular up-and-coming chefs they face off head-to-head they cook stuff they're judged by local celebrities and at the end you get the really big bragging rights for next year you win the iron fork award houstonpress.com to get information on that but speaking of houston press the Brewfest pre-sale is happening now use promo code ages 16 to get early birds early bird pricing that isn't might not be the white rabbit talking lots of fun brew fest is happening april 30th at silverstreetstation.com then wild west brew fest is april 23rd and man that's one of the best beer fest voted actually as the best beer fest in the country 2015 they do a great great things for katie and the surrounding area nonprofits. 150 specialty craft brewers over 500 individualized beers multiple bands just a hell of a good time wildwestbrewfest.com thank you everybody that came on 
Independence Brewing Company, Rob Cartwright, Steve Latterbrook, and Jason Toole. And our music guest is Billy Lord Band. Thank them for stopping in on Drink of Ages next week. We have Chad Wears, our music guest. Texan Brewing Company is going to come by next week, talk about a couple beers they have coming out. And you can listen to the podcast sponsored by Buffalo Body Brewing Company by going to drinkofages.com. Get out and try Lazy Magnolia Southern Pecan on draft or package at your favorite beer place around town. We will be back next week. Live at Firehouse Saloon, Badlands Radio, and ESPN 97.5. Go Rockets. Hurry up, Astros. Talk to y'all next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Be safe, Houston, and support the craft beer industry and your local homebrew supply store.